Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of his stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, stood the Lord and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. <clears throat> I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust on the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land with no, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used, used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, and I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Dads and kids, this is your official warning. Mother's Day is coming. <laughs> Mark your calendars for May 8th. This gives you a little over a month to find a perfect gift for mom or for your wives, husbands. And if you're searching for ideas, there are many things that tend to make the top 10 list for Mother's Day gifts. If you're a little child, typically a homemade card is the most treasured thing for mom. If you've been away for a while and you're sending something to your mom, perhaps a new picture of the family in a frame. Or mom, maybe she just needs a day off at the spa or a time to go to the movies or spend some time with friends. But I'll tell you what's not on the top 10 list for moms. Having your favorite child move away from you and losing them forever. This is exactly what happened to Rebecca. The plan that she had originally concocted in order that her youngest son Jacob might become the next family leader in the passing of her husband, Isaac here had backfired on her. And so her oldest son Esau then began to plan uh, to kill the younger brother, to kill Jacob. And so not only that, in order to spite his parents, he began to plan to marry uh, the women around in the other communities, 
women that were not part of Israel. And so Rebecca knows that she must send her son away from that place so that his life might be preserved. And so now the blessed one becomes the outcast, the one who was to receive the double portion from the father now gets left destitute and sent into exile. This message this morning is going to be quite unique. It's going to be unique because it's going to speak to some people and others it probably isn't going to apply to. Maybe about 10% of you, 20% will be able to kind of really connect with this message. But as you listen and as you're saying, maybe this isn't really relate to me, I would encourage you, though. I'd encourage you to pray for those around you that are suffering as outcasts, that have been thrown away from their families, that are feeling much like Jacob this morning. And so if that's you this morning, perhaps you're feeling like this has happened in your life. Maybe you're feeling like uh, God promised you to bring you prosperity, to bring you blessing, but it ends up backfiring and turning on you, and you become one of the outcasts. And you might wonder, where is God in the midst of all of this? I thought he was supposed to be with me. I wonder if he even loves me now. As Jacob is making his journey toward a strange and unfamiliar land, he has a surprise encounter that reveals to us today the true heart of God toward the outcasts. And this morning I'm going to be looking at three problems Jacob faced, the response of God to those problems, and then Jacob's promise in response to God's blessing. And you can follow each one of these in your bulletin. The first problem is the wrath of man. I have known very few brothers who get along with one another, especially when they're young. And even if they have good times together, there seems to be something volatile about all that testosterone that's pumping through their veins starting at about age 12. My brother Brett and I were no exception. I was the oldest, he was the second born, and I still have scars today on my face and my head from the epic battles that he and I had. <laughs> but I can honestly say that I never wanted to kill him. Maybe hurt him really bad, but my brother was not like Jacob. He had not schemed to take away my inheritance and the blessing of my family. It's pretty obvious from the start that there's going to be trouble with these two brothers because the battle starts even in the womb. They're twins, and they're wrestling inside their mother. In fact, as they're born, Jacob has a submission hold on Esau's ankle as they're coming out of the womb. Things get worse when dad begins to favor Esau and mom begins to favor Jacob. And this happens many times in families as well. But it doesn't stop there because Jacob is not content to remain in the position that he was born into. He schemes to take away Esau's birthright, which will give him control over the lion's share of the family estate. Then he and his brother plot to take away the blessing of the favored firstborn. Relationships are hard. There are so many factors that complicate these relationships and our ability to live in peace and harmony with one another, and the most prominent of which is sin and selfishness. And so this morning, are you feeling like the outcast? 
Are you in exile, maybe away from a brother, a sister, a child, maybe a parent? Or maybe you've been shunned for your Christian faith. Maybe people don't like talking to you anymore because of the faith that you have and how your life has changed. If so, you know how Jacob feels. And you most likely expected things to go differently now that you're a follower of God, that things were going to be blessed, that things were going to be better. But notice that many times God brings us into exile in order that we might realize that the blessing comes from him and not from those around us. As we highlighted last week, Abraham went 25 years from the time of the promise until the fulfillment. And during that time, I'm sure he was wondering, what's going on here? In fact, he and his wife tried to do things on their own. Well, maybe Abraham's supposed to have a son with uh, the concubine instead. David went into exile for 10 years after he had received the blessing from the prophet Samuel. The prophet came and poured the anointing oil over him, and he was supposed to be the next king. And the next thing he knows, he finds himself on the run from Saul. Saul wanted to murder him. And he's probably wondering, I wish I could go back to the old days when I was just a sheep herder out in the wilderness. You know, I've had the same pillow for about 30 years. <laughs> and it's not that I don't want to get a new pillow. It's just that every time I try a new one out, it just doesn't feel right. In fact, I've been known to go into Target and take the pillow off the rack there and then lay down on the aisle to <laughs> test it out a little bit. I just can't find one that I like. And so I've got this same pillow for all these years. And obviously Jacob forgot to pack his favorite pillow when he left his house on the journey to Padamaran because he ends up sleeping on a stone one night. And as he's sleeping there, a vision occurs to him. He sees a ladder going from heaven down and the angels are ascending and descending on this ladder. And the Lord is at the top of the ladder. And he speaks to Jacob in that moment. Look at verse 15 here. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And so, God says he's going to be with Jacob. He's going to keep him. Nothing can touch us apart from God's express permission. Some people are afraid of curses and threats, but in John 19.10, when Jesus is addressing Pilate's statement that he has the power to either crucify him or release him, Jesus stated that he would have no authority unless it was granted from God. Some people believe that we should just blindly follow God because of who he is. There's an old Baptist phrase, I don't know if it even originated in the Baptist circles, but that's where I heard it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now that may sound holy and pious, but it's completely unscriptural in regard to our context here today. Here Jacob actually sees God standing at the entrance of heaven and hears a promise directly from him to take care of him. But notice in that moment, he does not vow to follow God based on the vision. He says, if God will keep me on this way that I go, then he will be my God. 
He recognizes that this is God, but he hasn't made him his God yet. Psalm 34, 8 puts it this way, Taste and see that the Lord is good. So many times for our children, they need to have that moment when the God that they had been raised up in becomes their God. There's a moment of crisis that suddenly they taste and see, okay, the Lord actually is good to me, not just to other people around me. And so has God shown you his goodness in the midst of your exile? Perhaps he's given you a church family to replace the family that you've lost, the ones that are distant from you. The second problem I see here in this text this morning is lack of provision. Many people can stand up against the wrath of man and do relatively well. But the second blow here for Jacob is that he loses everything, including his best friend, his mom, Rebecca. And so Jacob departs from his homeland and his Jewish uh, roots there. And tradition says that he never saw his mother again that his mother died while he was away in church tradition. His brother, who was not supposed to receive the double portion, and he ends up getting everything. And so Jacob is essentially forced to start all over again. One of my customers back in my barbershop in Minneapolis was a refugee from Laos, and he was a very prominent and wealthy professor uh, before the Vietnam War. And then when the Vietnam conflict happened, uh, the communists in that area took over and they began to throw everybody out of the country that was not lined up with their ideology. And so in 1975, he fled to the United States. And ironically, when he came to the U.S., he took a menial job in a school as the custodian there. A man who was a prominent, wealthy professor is now scrubbing floors and toilets. And so... Jacob here, we see, is forced to begin again. When he arrives at his household of his uncle Laban, he takes the job of a sheep herder. And perhaps you've experienced this kind of disappointment. Maybe you thought you were going to receive an inheritance from your parents. Perhaps you even got swindled out of it. Somebody took your inheritance. My grandfather was the victim of two dishonest men that he went into business with. Um, and they had gone into business. The business was doing very well. It was booming. And these two men schemed together to cut my grandfather out of the business without leaving him anything. And he didn't like to talk about it, but I pinned him down one day and I said, Grandpa, why didn't you sue those guys? You know, you probably could have won. I mean, that was partly your business and a lot of your hard work there. And he said, Scott, it all comes out in the wash. What goes around comes around. And I think that was his way of saying that wrath belongs to the Lord. God makes a promise here to Jacob during his dream. In verse 13, he says that he will give him the land that he is lying upon. He tells him that his descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the ground below him. God is going to provide for you as well. Even though it seems like you've been left destitute maybe or the situation turned and you don't have anything, even so, maybe you've been swindled by your family. But you have a mighty advocate in the Father. 
Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jacob here honors his parents, unlike his brother Esau. Esau saw that his parents were going to get upset if he married somebody from the neighboring communities. In fact, Rebecca here, she just loathes her life because she's living in this community with these women. And I don't know what it was about them, but they did not rub her the right way. And so Esau sees that. And he decides, you know, I'm going to make my parents even angrier, and I'm going to do this. But Jacob, he goes back to his relatives. He goes back to Laban. When you and I are not seeking to build our own kingdom, but rather God's kingdom, he takes care of us. And in response to the promise, Jacob says that God will be his God if he provides for his daily needs. King David, who was in the line of Jacob, saw firsthand how much God cared for his own. He says in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Jacob was cared for, and in his time in exile, he accumulated much wealth. And there was only, uh, the only way that it could have happened is because God did it. The way that it happened was miraculous. So he goes to work for Laban, and Laban said, what shall your pay be? And so Jacob says, I'll tell you what, any of the lambs that are born with spots, those will be mine, and the rest will be yours. And so what happens? All the lambs start coming out spotted. And then Laban says, hold up, this isn't right. And he changed it. He said, okay, well now all the streaked ones will be yours. And suddenly all are having being born with streaks. And so God accumulated wealth for him. And he'll do the same for you. He'll provide for you. It may not look exactly like this, but he has never left his righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. Problem number three and final problem here, that there's no way back. Ultimately, Jacob did not want to stay in the house of his uncle Laban. He wanted a life of his own. He wanted to return to his hometown. He wanted to be reconnected with his brother, with his father, and with his mother. But that seemed impossible because of his brother's threats. His brother was bent on killing him. Would his brother ever forgive him of his deception? And at a certain point, Jacob's desire for his homeland overcomes his fear of death. Maybe you've had a relationship and there have been issues with it that seem impossible to overcome. And you feel like there's no way back to the family. There's no way back to your hometown. Maybe you've even done something that's caused that. Here, obviously, Jacob is not innocent. He schemed against his brother, right? And in some ways, I felt like that. When I went to prison when I was in my 20s, I thought, my family's going to disown me for sure. There's no way back. And yet God made a way back in each and every one of those circumstances in my life. I left in shame, and I came back with a blessing. And you might wonder if God can bring about a miraculous restoration in your situation. Here we have an example of God doing just that. 
God had promised that someday he would bring Jacob back. Listen to verse 15. Behold, I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I, what I have done I promise to you. I wonder how often Jacob thought about that promise during his time in exile. I can imagine how much he wished that his family would have been there for his wedding ceremony. That his dad and mom would have been there to see his children born. For us, our promised land is not some earthly plot of ground here under Lake Stevens. Our promised land is heaven itself. Or to be more precise, uh, the new earth that we'll be living on. Where God comes to dwell with his people. And some of us may not see the restoration of relationships in this life like Jacob did with his brother Esau. But God does promise that he's going to make all things new regarding the heavenly kingdom. Anything that has the possibility of being restored will be restored. Even that brother, that sister, that mom, that dad, who you think there is no way that will be restored. And the funniest thing about it too is sometimes both the people are Christian. <laughs> they both love the Lord, but they can't stand one another because of the water that's under the bridge. If you lost earthly goods, those things will be restored a hundred times over. The brothers and sisters that you lost will be replaced by brothers and sisters in heaven, a million fold. In conclusion this morning, Joel 2.25 tells us that God will restore the years that the locust has eaten. And this refers to the plagues of life that steal away our relationships, our wealth, our well-being. And many times this happens in life, to one degree or another. Maybe for you this morning, the wound is super raw. Because this is like the major problem in your life in the moment. For some of us, we've gotten over it, you know. That's something in the past, perhaps. I think about the case of Job here, who lost everything. Kids, property, buildings, relationships. But do you know what happened in the end? God blessed him. It says that he had twice as much as he had before. All of that happened to him. And so, are you an outcast? An exile in some area of your life? Do you long for restoration? God is giving us a glimpse here through this vision because Jacob had a heart toward God and God's heart was toward Jacob. And his heart is always about restoration. He always desires to bless the brokenhearted. He always desires to prove himself in his promises. And he weeps with those who weep. We see that specifically in the life of Jesus. And so know for you this morning, if that's you, God sees you. He has not left you forsaken. You might feel like Jacob out in the middle of the field with a stone for a pillow, wondering what's going to happen to your life. But the Lord wants to open up the heavens and show you how much he loves you and his promises to restore those things to you this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your promises. We thank you, Lord, for the life of Jacob here, a real man with real fears and real problems, not knowing what would happen to him. And yet you showed him your promises and were faithful to them, and you became his God. And so, Lord, 
As we taste and see and see your goodness, Lord, may we reaffirm our commitment to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.